This morning, in our time in the Word together, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 21. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 21. The Apostle Paul writes, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. But I ask, did they not hear? Of course they did. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses said, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation who has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father, we thank you for what your word is going to reveal to us today. We thank you for these truths that have been written down by your servant, Paul. Thank you for speaking through him and revealing your truth through him. Lord, we desire today to come humbly before your word and to understand it and to receive it. And so, Lord, may our ears be open. May our eyes be open. May our hearts be softened to receive your word. Lord, do your work among us. By your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In order for us to understand this passage this morning, it's important for us to understand what Paul had just said in verses 9 through 13. The Apostle Paul had said in verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And so Paul is establishing that the, the essential response to the gospel of Jesus Christ is faith. It is faith. And this accessible, readily available gospel message, this response of faith, it is there. It is there for everyone. Verse 11 of Romans 10, as scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. And then he quotes from the book of Joel. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the Apostle Paul is establishing that the gospel of Jesus Christ is and has been being proclaimed. It has been proclaimed to the Israelite people. And 
it is not a difficult thing for them to see and to hear and understand. And he, in fact, quotes from Deuteronomy and goes back and says, just like the law was not something that you had to ascend to heaven to get or go down into the depths of the earth to get, so it is, so it is with the gospel of Christ. God brought it down. God brought it down in the person of Jesus Christ. God became flesh and dwelt among us. You don't have to go into the depths of the earth to bring up Christ and his gospel. God brought him up from the grave. And so Paul was establishing the fact that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of truth that leads to salvation, it's right here. It's right here. It's available. It's accessible for anyone. And he wants to break down this distinction between Jew and Gentile as if one is saved by the law and Gentiles are saved by some other means. No, there's one gospel. There's one gospel for everyone, regardless of whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. The gospel is Christ. And all who call on him, anyone who calls on him, Gentile or Jew, Russian or American, Chinese or Mexican, whoever calls on him will be saved. But then he begins to go into a series of rhetorical questions to show the importance of the proclamation of the gospel. And so if I were to summarize the first few verses of our passage this morning, I would, I would put it this way, the proclamation and reception of the gospel. The proclamation and reception of the gospel. And so what Paul does is he kind of backtracks in a chain of events the steps or the events that need to unfold for someone to call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And so the ultimate goal, the the most important part of the chain is the last step, which is calling on the Lord to be saved. But then he, he works backwards to help us to see all that needs to unfold and transpire for that calling on the Lord to be saved to happen. And so he works backwards. He says, how can they call on the one they've not believed in? And that's just a logical progression, isn't it? If you're going to call, now that call, oftentimes it can be vocal to call out to the Lord, but it doesn't have to be a vocal call. It can be a cry of the heart. Can be of the cry of the heart to God to to call out to God to be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work on the cross. And in order for that to transpire, in order in order for that genuinely heartfelt call, whether it's vocal or not, to happen, there has to be faith. There has to be faith, and and faith is more than just a hearing of the message. Faith is a hearing of the message, but then also an understanding of and an acceptance of the message. So it's hearing it and, and it's believing it, not just in the sense of believing it as facts, as if two plus two equals four. So it's not enough to say Jesus died on the cross in Jerusalem. That is a fact of history that someone may accept and not be saved. Jesus died on a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem, approximately A.D. 30. Someone could accept that. The the Jewish writer Josephus accepted that. 
that Jesus died on a Roman cross outside of Jerusalem. That's not enough to be saved. To be saved is not only a belief of facts, but it is a a reliance upon the significance of those facts. So it is one thing to say Jesus died on a cross outside of Jerusalem. It is another thing to say in Jesus dying on that cross outside of Jerusalem, he was my sacrificial substitutionary atonement for my sins, and I trust him to be saved. So same event, right? Same event. Jesus died on a cross outside of Jerusalem. But the way in which you are receiving that event, that happening, is different. One is just a bare assent to the fact. The other is a complete dependence upon and reliance upon what, the, what that event does for me. And how that event is, how my life, and not only in the present, but my eternal life, is built on that event of what Christ did for me. And so they have to believe. You have to believe. You have to place your whole life now and for all of eternity on the foundation stone, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, and then call on him for salvation. Well, how are people going to believe in Jesus? Well, they've got to, they've got to hear it, right? They've got to hear it. Because the message of the cross is exactly that. It's a message, isn't it? Christianity is a very word-centered faith. We, we base our lives, we base our whole, our whole faith, our whole religion, if you will, we base it on words. Words that testify to who God is and what God has done. In his son, Jesus Christ. And so we hear those words and we accept those words and we build our lives on those words of God and we believe them to be very words of God. But what if those words never reach us? What if those words never reach us? What about, what about someone who has never, ever heard the message about Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says that they have to hear. They have to hear the message. In order to believe, they have to hear it. They have to hear the message. And there's not, there's not multiple ways of salvation, is there? There's one way of salvation. It's through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So there's one way to God, and it's through Jesus. And you have to hear that message, and you have to believe that message. So they need to hear. Well, how are they going to hear? Someone has to go and tell them, right? Someone's got to go. And now that message can be conveyed in many ways. So... Some of you could probably testify this morning that you became a Christian, you believed in the gospel because of something you read. Or because of something that you heard with your ears. Maybe somebody came personally and testified to you of the gospel. Maybe you heard a sermon preached and you responded to the gospel. Maybe you read a tract or maybe a Gideon Bible and you responded to the gospel. 
But one way or another, the word was sent, right? The word was sent. And so what Paul is emphasizing here is the the sending of the message of Christ. And oftentimes, that sending of the message of the word of Christ goes through a messenger. Who goes? A messenger who goes and delivers that message. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? So churches, send them out. The Apostle Paul can testify to that himself. You can go back to Acts chapter 13, and you can read how the church at Antioch did exactly this thing that Paul's talking about here. Where the church at Antioch, they gathered together, Paul and Barnabas, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had communicated his will and said, separate unto me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. And so they gathered Paul and Barnabas. They laid their hands on them and commissioned them. And they prayed for them. And they gave them some initial financial support and means. And they sent them out. And Paul and Barnabas went from town to town, city to city, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what Paul is describing, he has lived, right? This is Paul's life. Paul's whole life is being sent out to proclaim the gospel and to proclaim that gospel so that people will hear it and so people will hear it and understand it and so that they'll believe and so that they'll call on the name of the Lord to be saved. That's Paul's passion. That's his whole life. He even testifies to that in Philippians, doesn't he, when he says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. In other words, in the context of what he's saying in Philippians, if I'm going to go on living then my whole life is oriented around Christ and his gospel. So Paul's living what he's describing here. So there has to be proclamation. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that's a quotation from Isaiah 52 that we read a little bit earlier in the service. Isaiah 52. And in the context of Isaiah 52, the good news of deliverance is the fact that God is going to deliver his captives, his exiles from Babylon and bring them back home to Jerusalem. That's the way in which it's used in Isaiah 52. But now Paul is taking that that same idea of, of the good news that's being proclaimed and how blessed are those who bring that good news. And he's, he's applying that now to his day of Christian missions. And how beautiful are the feet, the feet meaning the ones who walk, the ones who go the ones who deliver the word of God. How, what a beautiful thing it is for those who go and proclaim the message of the word of Christ. And in verse 17, I'm, I'm going over verse 16 for a moment on purpose. In verse 17, he says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So verse 17 is kind of like a summary of what he's been saying. Someone has to go, be sent. Someone has to proclaim. Someone has to hear. Someone has to believe. And then they call on the Lord to be saved. But I want to emphasize in verse 17 the fact that the message that they hear that is believed, that results in calling on the Lord for salvation, that message is the word of Christ. It is the word of Christ. Meaning, 
Christ and everything that he is in his person, everything that he has done in his work, in his life, in his cross work, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his exaltation to the right hand of the Father, everything that Christ is, the message is about him. In other words, Christ is the subject, the content of the word. The word of Christ, the word about Christ. And so the message that must be proclaimed is a Christ-centered message. And why is that important for what he's been talking about? Well, because Paul has been wrestling with the unbelief of the Jewish people, right? He's been wrestling with the unbelief of the Jewish people. So it's not enough to bring a word about God. Because all of the Jewish people would accept a word about God, right? They would all accept a word about God. It's not a word about the law. Because all the Jewish people would accept a word about the law. It is not a word about righteous attainment through the law. Because the Jews would have accepted that message of righteousness through the law. What is it, what is it a message about? It is a message about Christ. And Christ is the stumbling block, isn't he? He's the stumbling block. And so for many, many Jews, they stumbled over Christ because the proclamation of the gospel is about Christ. It's about Jesus. It's about the fact that he is the Messiah. It's about the fact that he is the Savior, that he is the Son of God, that he, Jesus of Nazareth, is the one that God promised would come. And that this Jesus of Nazareth from Galilee who showed up doing miracles and teaching and preaching and feeding 5,000 people on a hillside, this Jesus is your Messiah and you failed to accept him. But that's the message that has to be proclaimed. And that's the message that has to be believed. And this is what separates us from all these other religions in the world is it is a message about Christ, isn't it? And it's a specific message about Christ, that he is the son of God, the crucified and risen Lord, and that he is the one and only savior. You see, Muslims can accept a kind of a message about Jesus because Muslims believe that there was a Jesus. They, in fact, reverence Jesus. Muslims believe that Jesus was one of the prophets, one of the great prophets. But Muslims do not believe that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. Muslims do not believe that Jesus is divine, the Son of God. Muslims do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God the Father. And so they might have a, a belief or an understanding about Jesus, but it's not the faith, the word about Christ that the apostles witnessed and proclaimed. The message has to be about Jesus or it's not the gospel. It has to go out and then receive. So proclamation and reception. 
And when you receive the message, you believe it, and you call, you're saved. But here's the sad reality that Paul is dealing with, and here's the rest of the passage, is the hearing and rejection of the gospel. So there's the proclamation and reception of the gospel, but for many, many Jews, what it ended up being was the hearing, but rejection of the gospel. And that's why Paul says in verse 16, but not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? So in other words, the gospel has gone out and there were many, many Jews who heard that gospel, but they did not accept it. They rejected the gospel. And I think it's fascinating what Paul is doing here in the quotations from the Old Testament. Because... In verse 15, he quotes from Isaiah 52, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. If we were to stay in Isaiah, where we were in chapter 52, and read just a few verses more, do you know where we would get to? We would get to these words, Lord, who has believed our message? Which come from Isaiah 53, verse 1. And you know what the rest of Isaiah 53 is about? It's about a servant of God who suffers and dies for God's people. By whose wounds and stripes God's people's sins are forgiven and they are healed. So I don't think it's an accident that Paul says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good tidings and good news. And then he goes into talking about the message about Christ. And then he talks about Israelite rejection of that suffering servant and he quotes from Isaiah to show it who has believed our message who has believed our report in other words even in Isaiah's own day the Jews were rejecting the word of God and so in a sense it should not come as a surprise that many many Jewish people in Paul's day are rejecting the word about Christ Because they rejected Isaiah's message. They rejected Jeremiah's message. They rejected Elijah's message. So he asks in verse 18. So the Jews rejected the message. They did not accept the good news. So I ask, did they not hear? Was was the Israelite problem a problem of hearing? He doesn't specifically say yes or no, but he strongly implies the answer by quoting from Psalm 19. Their voice has gone out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. Now what's interesting in Psalm 19 is that that quotation from Psalm 19 is mostly about general revelation that is available to all in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day they pour forth speech. Night unto night they display knowledge. That's where Paul is quoting from. Their voice, that is the voice of creation, the firmament, the the stars in heaven, they declare the glory of God. And they've gone out into all the earth, to all the ends of the world. So is Paul saying here that wherever general, general revelation goes, that that is where the message of Christ has gone? I do not believe that is what he's saying here. And I believe what Paul is doing 
is essentially this. He is, he is taking this quotation of the going out of the message and the broad and wide proclamation of the message. And he's taking those quotations, those words, and he's applying it now to the gospel. He's applying it now to the gospel. And what he's doing is he is saying, no, the Israelites have heard. The Israelites have heard. In fact, Paul in other places talks about how far and wide the gospel message has been proclaimed. And you could ask, you could say this, is there a Jew who lived in, say, AD 25 to 30, 33, who did not know the name of Jesus? Is it possible, at least in Judea and Galilee, in that region where Jesus traveled, is it possible that there was a Jew who had never heard of this Jesus of Nazareth doing all these things? I highly doubt it. The message about Jesus had been proclaimed so far and wide in Judea and Galilee that at least if they had not seen Jesus with their own eyes, they had heard about him. And then... It's no accident that the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles on the day of Pentecost because on the day of Pentecost, there were Jews who were in Jerusalem from all over the world. From Macedonia, from Italy, from northern Africa, farther in the Middle East, there were Jews from all over that ancient world, all over the Roman Empire, who had come back for the celebration of the Feast of Pentecost. And they were there in Jerusalem 50 days after Passover. And the Holy Spirit falls on the apostles. And in power and in boldness, Peter stands up in front of thousands of people. Thousands upon thousands of people in Jerusalem who were there from all over the place. And what does Peter proclaim? Acts chapter 2, this Jesus that you just killed is your Messiah. And now God has raised him from the dead, and now he's Lord and Christ. That's Peter's message. Well, where did all those people go back to? They all went back home. And the message about Christ went far and wide. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter about the gospel to the Romans, and Paul has never been to Rome when he's writing this letter. The gospel is already there. And he's writing a message to a church in Rome. The gospel has gone far and wide. Jewish communities all over the place, they had heard the message. Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Capernaum, they'd all heard the message. And now far and wide throughout the Roman world, they had heard the message about Christ. So did they not hear? That's not the problem. The problem is not that they didn't hear. So then he asks another question. Is it because they didn't understand? Is it because they didn't understand? And essentially what Paul is doing here is he is showing from the Old Testament the fact that, that what was coming in the proclamation of the gospel to the Gentiles is not a new invention but it was something that was clearly foretold by the Old Testament prophets. So he says from Moses, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. Here he's applying it to the Gentiles. 
So here's Gentile peoples who were not the nation of God's choosing. Here are Gentile peoples who really had no understanding in terms of the, at least in comparison to the understanding that Israel had under the law. But they have received the gospel. And he quotes from Isaiah. I was found by those who did not seek me. Speaking of the Gentiles. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. So, and this goes back to what he said earlier in Romans chapter 10, that even those who were not looking for Jesus, God brought Jesus to them. And here's the sad irony, is that the Israelites who were looking for their Messiah missed him when he was right in front of them. And that's why he says in verse 21 about Israel, Concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. And that pretty much sums up Israel's history and their relationship with God, isn't it? A disobedient and obstinate people. And you see it on display from the very beginning when God brings them out of Egypt and they're grumbling and they're complaining. Where is the food? Where is the water? Who is this Moses character? We don't want him leading us. Let's get somebody else to lead us. We wish we were back in Egypt because it was so wonderful there. And then let's, you know what? We don't know where Moses is. Let's turn this gold into a calf and let's worship it and bow down to it. Even though we just heard, don't make any graven images or bow down to them. Their whole history, a disobedient and obstinate people. And so Paul is essentially saying that all this mission to the Gentiles and the Gentiles receiving Christ, it's just like what happened in the Old Testament in many ways. A stubborn, obstinate people rejecting the word of God and so God's word going elsewhere and other people receiving it. He says that's what's happening here. So is that the end of the story for the Jewish people? Has God just rejected them? That's where chapter 11 comes in. And no, he hasn't. He has not ultimately rejected his people. But here's the message of Romans 10, 14 through 21. Believing the message of Christ results in salvation. It's a pretty simple message, isn't it? Believing the message about Christ results in salvation. But... Rejecting the message, it results in condemnation. And who is to blame for that rejection? The people who reject. You can't go back to Romans 9 and say, ah, but God's sovereign. Remember the argument in Romans 9, 14, Romans 9, 19. If God is sovereign, then why does he still blame us? Why does he still accuse us? And Paul, back in Romans 9, already settled that argument. No, you can't use that. God's God. God can do what he wants. And now in chapter 10, he's he's putting the lens, the focus on the people who are doing the rejecting. And he's saying, the blame, the fault, it lies with the people who reject. They're responsible for what they hear. So... Just a couple of challenges or applications this morning as we close our time together. Number one, hearing is not enough. 
And maybe you're here this morning and you've heard the gospel countless times. Maybe you're a young person. You've heard the gospel. You've grown up hearing the gospel. Just hearing it doesn't make you a Christian. Believing it and placing your life on it makes you a Christian. Calling on the name of the Lord in faith makes you a Christian. So don't fall under the trap of, I've been in church my whole life and I've heard all these messages because that's not going to cut it. Faith in Jesus Christ, complete reliance, dependence on him is salvation. The other thing I would say as an application is this. God wants us to take the message. Because how are people going to believe if they don't hear? And how are people going to hear if people don't go and tell them? And so here's a challenge for us. There should not exist in Winfield, Alabama, a person who has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're here. So we need to tell. And as much as we can, we need to help and support others who are going to take that message farther beyond where we can reach in our own daily lives. But we need to do all that we can to make sure the message of Christ is heard. Because what, what we don't want is anybody saying on the last day, who is within earshot of a Christian, I never heard the gospel. So just as those hearing the gospel have a responsibility to respond to it, so also do those who have the gospel have a responsibility to deliver it and to proclaim it. So may we be faithful in that. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Lord, we're thankful that you are so gracious. We're thankful that your way of salvation is completely by love and grace. We're so thankful, Lord, that it does not depend on how good we are on how righteous that we can become but it completely depends on Jesus. And that he has earned our righteousness for us and that he has taken our penalty upon himself on the cross. And that we can believe and call on you and we will be saved. We thank you for your abundant, marvelous grace. Lord, my prayer is that everyone who is in this room this morning, everyone will have believed the message about Christ and called upon him for salvation. If they haven't, Lord, open their eyes, help them to see, help them to believe. Lord, for those of us who have come to know Jesus as our Savior, we've received the gospel. May we be good stewards of that which you've entrusted to us and be faithful messengers of this life-saving truth. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.